Bible reading today is from Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 18 to 25. I, I will have that presented up on screen. Let's show that first one now. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Thanks, Andrew. There we go. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. He did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Thanks. Next slide. Ta. Cool. Jonathan um, was always doing something, making something, uh, using his hands, building something, trying something new. Jonathan, you're like... Who's Jonathan? It's my friend up the street. Uh, I call him Jono. I met him at age, um, about, I was five or six. And I'd always be up at, at Jono's house. We'd do a whole bunch of stuff together. Every Saturday, uh, I was there from the crack of dawn. Every weekday, there, straight after school. We didn't go to the same school. But, uh, man, I loved spending time with Jonathan. He was a real doer. Tree houses. Has anyone built a tree house? Hand up if you've... uh, Or a cubby house. I'd accept cubby houses. Yeah? Paul? Tree tree house, cubby house. I've seen the pictures. (laughs) Well, we did, Jonathan and I. At the reserve across from Jono's house, we built many. And our initial ones were just wood. I mean, like, literally, we are six years old. We didn't know how to use hammers and nails particularly. They were just wood, like, placed perfectly and it was standing and it had tunnels and rooms and things like that but there was you could blow it over then we got older and uh we got our hands on tools and nails um, likely from dad's supply and and jono's dad richard his supply and that's when uh you know there was shelving and there was structural integrity and um and the council would come to this reserve across from Jono's house and, and they actually, this time, they had a harder time tearing them down. <laughs> then came the tree houses that weren't just around the base of a tree or, or those kind of low trees. They were up there, high in the trees. And I, I, I kid you not, we had single story and we had double story and we had triple story in these tree houses. No wonder the council were, were really adamant in trying to get rid of them. And... Then we had, um, we got our hands on, on proper cabling, dense metal cable, and like a, a block and, a block and tally? 
Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know where I'm going. Flying Fox. And it was, um, it was Jonathan's sister that we sent down first and realized it was steep. And so we shaved that off a little bit, make that a bit shallower. And, um, and we improved it. Eased the angle a bit. Loved building stuff with Jonathan. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> what about aeroplanes? Have you ever built an aeroplane? We did. In Jono's garage, and this is just in Yulambi, uh, I kid you not, regular suburban Shaw double car garage, but uh, Jonathan's dad built a full-size aircraft. Wow. Yeah. It could fit two people in it, and it could fly. It was real. So with that going on, and, and my dad has an interest in, in model aeroplanes, uh, Jono and I would build aeroplanes too. We had access to dad's model aeroplane engines, and um, we'd often go and find, try to find the bigger ones, because the bigger the engine, you can really just make sticks fly. Exactly. And our, our construction was kind of two poles, like that, with a, with a thing across it, covered in contact, you know, what you cover your school books in, and whack a, a big engine on there, and you can get that into the sky. We'd have that on two little wires and with a ring. And so that was called um, a control line uh, model aeroplane. Morris, you know it? You've seen them, good, good, yeah. And we would, we would fly these aeroplanes um, in a circle. We'd be back to back and they'd be spinning around. Probably the lines would be as far as that far wall. And you'd be chasing the tail of the other person's aircraft, um, trying to... We had streamers on the back of them, trying to eat... The, uh, the other person's streamers, and, and ultimately crashed their aircraft. And we crashed them a lot, but we'd rebuild them. Um, we'd, we'd, we'd try stronger wood, lighter wood, all the things. One time, I'm looking up in the sky. What's that flickering on your aircraft, Jono? It's like, what? I think your aeroplane's on fire. It was. We, uh, we brought that down and there it was, all the nitro flame fuel was on fire and the wings were all on fire. Aeroplanes, so we built them. Ever dug a hole? We did. So trampolines back 20 years ago didn't have those safety nets. And, um, but we really had our eyes and hearts set on a trampoline in the backyard. And so, asked mum and dad, they thought about it, and they said yes, with a condition. It, it needs to be dug into the ground, level. And so Jonathan and I spent countless days digging, days, weeks. Dad was digging too. But we got this trampoline dug in, flush. It was a big one. Yeah. Jonathan and I went back uh, and bounced on the trampoline when we were uh, 23. We didn't dig that hole deep enough. <laughs> and bam, he did his coccyx. <clears throat> we were always doing, we were always building, a lot of action. Can I have that next slide, please? I've got an hour of Pat and Jono stories, but not for this morning. This isn't a sermon about Jono or Jono and Pat, 
I actually want to look at Joseph. While we read those verses, did you see that Joseph had some key decisions in there and had a key role in there? And from the verses that we read this morning, we can learn a lot from what Joseph, the earthly adoptive father of Jesus, said, can't we? I think we can. Because he said, now there's no words there, turn the page. We can learn a lot from what Joseph said because the next page says, no, he he doesn't speak there either. No, hold on. Then the Magi visit the Messiah. Then there's an escape to Egypt and the return to Nazareth. You know, there is, it's really important what he said. Hmm. You see where I'm going. There's no written, spoken words of the father who raised the saviour. He gets them to Bethlehem. No spoken words. He gets them to Egypt for safety. No spoken words. I find that really interesting and and, and fascinating. And and maybe, Raph, you and I do have a a share of that kind of wild imagination. And we share, yeah, well, half. (laughs) A quarter. (laughs) Is it mind-blowing? Maybe, maybe not. But I do think it's worth reflecting. And this is the first of two points I'd like to make from our scripture this morning. Because it struck me, the person elected by God to be the man and father to raise Jesus has not a single spoken word recorded in scripture. It's like saying, Siona, I hear you've got that lead role in that Broadway production. Fantastic. I expect you've got a lot of lines to learn. And Siona says, no, not a single line. That's a bit bizarre, isn't it? No lines, just what? Action. Action. What were his actions? He listened. He trusted. He obeyed. He cared. He toiled. He protected. And he raised. And a disclaimer here. I want to say that action is important, but action doesn't lead to salvation. It's not by our actions that we are saved. No, it's a belief in Jesus Christ that he is real, that he is the son of God, that he has forgiven your sins. That leads to salvation. But action is important. And I think the scripture The way it's written here and what God is illustrating in just this portion is that action is important. Application. Are you an action man? Or an action woman? Are you an action woman? Blake is 110% an action man. All action there. Do you do more and speak less, perhaps? 
Are you hesitant in being up the front? Are you comfortable in showing love by action? What do they say? Love is a verb, a doing word. I want you all to take heart. Don't be discouraged being a person that leans that way. Take heart because Joseph doesn't have a single spoken word in here. He is an action man. There are mighty works of God and great and divine purposes for the doers. I really like that. I think that's my comfort zone. I prefer to be doing and showing love by action than trying to articulate it with words. Are you, on the other side, more prone to talk, to think, and to contemplate? Perhaps, and this is for everyone, procrastinate. Let the example of Joseph and his swift action, and all that we see from him is action, let that inspire you. Listen to God. Trust what he says and take action. I'm inspired by that example of Joseph. Thank you, Andrew. That's first point, one of two. Second point, Mario Kart. <laughs> great game, great game. Um, I grew up playing a lot of video games. What's the last game you played, Joel? Sp- Spider-Man or 2K? NBA? Maybe Minecraft, yeah. Well, youth on Minecraft, of course. Elijah, last game you played? Uh, last night, I should say. Game you were playing yesterday? League of Legends, okay. So my childhood being a 90s kid went from Pong on the Atari to Mario Kart to, to now where games are at, they're, they're quite different. They're quite advanced. They're, quite, they're not arcade games anymore. There is a, a genre of games called role-playing games. And uh, these games don't just have you shooting little missiles at aliens. They have you in complex situations with an array of choices before you, and it's up to you, and it, it affects your reputation, and it affects your character. You're building a character in these games. These games like Baldur's Gate and Fable and Oblivion and Skyrim, there's some nods from Elijah, many hours in that. These games... These games are all based on a, um, or a lot of them use a, a character alignment chart. And if we could show that now. And you start off as a neutral individual. And you might do some good actions. You might do some good things. You might follow the law of the land. And so your character might develop and become lawful good. Or you might, well, do the wrong thing in a situation where there's a, a house on fire. You might not, you might look the other way. You might walk away. You might throw a stone at the, at the house that's already on fire. You might provoke the situation. And that's down in the, the category there of chaotic evil. It's a, maybe a hard thing to grasp. So I've got another illustration there, Andrew. 
it might be easier to understand with your behaviour with, with the toilet roll. So, when you're faced in this situation, there are many options ahead of you. The lawful good person, the law-abiding citizen, knows what to do. Toilet roll on, paper facing forward, primed and ready for the next person. Almost, if you curl those edges in, it'll be like a hotel. <laughs> Neutral good. You're not really a stickler for the law, but you're, you're going to be good. You just leave that toilet roll there. Chaotic good. Look, you've, you've still got the roll on there, but uh, you're, you're messing with people a little bit. You've turned it the other way. Let's go to that middle band now. Next image, please. Lawful neutral. You abide by the law, <laughs> but you're not really interested in being too good. You've just got the, the toilet pack there. True neutral. <laughs> you're not putting it on there. You're just making sure it's there. And chaotic neutral. It's there to the side. Now, the most interesting row. Next slide, please. Lawful evil. It's not against the law, but I'm not refilling it. Neutral evil. And uh, I think there's a lot of this behaviour at our house. And uh, the children are forgiven. I can't go and claim that there that are any of these, character, uh, these alignments at all. It's just being a child. But as a 33-year-old, if you were to... Just do that at the at the toilet and leave it, yeah. And chaotic evil is that is that full. Um, you've gone the next level. You didn't you didn't replace the toilet paper at all. You just unscrewed the holster, took the holster, left the screwdriver and the screws on the floor. Are you starting to understand the alignment grid? Great. If there's one more illustration, and I think a lot can be learned through the faces of cats. Lawful good. Top left there, the perfect law-abiding citizen of a cat. Uh, top right, you've got probably what I'm described as is uh, chaotic good. Uh, that just looks cheeky. And uh, bottom right, that cat has got issues. <laughs> chaotic evil, it's plotting and it's planning things, isn't it? Thank you, Andrew. Next slide. The thing is... With all of my experience, and I, and I don't know if it matches Joel and, and how Elijah plays games, but I find it incredibly hard to stray from the good, even though all of the options are before me. And even in situations where the game mechanics might lean you to straying from the good, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Joseph's action. What was that? Specifically talking about the point where he thought in his mind to divorce her quietly. Is that... It's neutral, it's, it's good, it's... Being faithful to the law but not wanting to expose Mary to public disgrace. He had in mind to, to divert, divorce her quietly. It sounds good and it sounds noble. Yes, but... And I see a yes but in this scripture. And the yes but that I see is, although he saw something good and he found a noble way forward, God had other plans. Can you imagine his prayers? Lord, what do I do? If Mary's state and her pregnancy becomes known, 
Custom says she should be stoned. Do I let that happen? No, no, I won't. And I'm taking creative license here. We don't have his spoken word. We don't have his prayers. But we, we know he's a follower of God. And the Lord replies, that's good, Joseph, but I've got other plans. And Joseph prays again, Lord, what do I do? I'm expected to throw the first stone. I won't. I won't. That's good, Joseph. But I need you to do something better. Lord, I think I've worked this out. I will slip away. I'll divorce her quietly. Guide my path. That's good, Joseph. But good is not what I'm after. Lord, what are you after? Lightning bolt from heaven. The angel Gabriel appears. Emotional warning, sorry. (laughs) It's easy to be good, isn't it? And I'm pretty good at it. When Martha was faffing about the kitchen, ensuring that various preparations were made, she raised her concern with Jesus. Lord, are you seeing this? Mary's just at your feet. I'm doing everything. And the Lord says, that's good, Martha, but... Sometimes the good is a trap. When Lorraine and I were in India, pull it together, Pat. (laughs) We were at Rehoboth Orphanage. What a beautiful place. Had the support and prayer of everyone here. I saw a good opportunity. There were 250 girls. Uh, They needed to be fed, cared for, and shown love each day. Taught from the word and taught that Jesus loves them. But I saw a good opportunity. I saw computers in the office and computers uh, in Phyllis Treasure's office and computers uh, in the, let's call it the the business office. And they they were disconnected. They weren't networked. And I, I said to Phyllis, I could help you out here. You've got people doing administration. They're not connected. They have no internet connectivity. Do you want me to address that? That's good, she said, but nah, not necessary. Focus on other things. But it was a good opportunity, so I took it upon myself to source some cabling, connect those machines, Founded that I found that the the machine in the business office didn't have the right software or, or version of operating system that could actually connect to the internet. 
uh, and and facilitate that. And so I was talking there with a a local um, chap, and um, we made a plan. We were backing up the computer and the hard drive, and we were going to upgrade from Windows 95, we were there in the 2000s, to Windows 98, just one step up, and we needed to catch those backups. And that plan was understood. And I, we were going to commence that the next day. I see a light on, and I went back into that office a couple of hours later, and the man who spoke broken English said, job done. And I said, what job? He said, upgrade. And I saw the progress bar, you know, Windows 98 installing. I don't know if you can imagine what would be stored on an orphanage's business computer. But it was all of the identity records of the young boys and girls. And when you upgrade before saving, it's vanished. It's gone. I dropped to my knees in that room, had my hands in my head. I stumbled outside. I threw up. And I went and told Phyllis Treasure. She said it's okay. She said, we'll be right. God's got us. It's easy to be good. The good can be a trap. And sometimes the good is not what God is after. I do believe that situation is one for me that God had me through. A lesson to learn that it's not all about you and your strengths and your talents and what you're capable of, but something different. And that's that's not the topic of this morning. That situation was resolved. But not through me. It was through God and others. Martha, Martha. The Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or only, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha chose the good, no sorry, Yeah, Martha chose the good, but Mary chose the best. What did Joseph do? Joseph knew of the good, and this is where I draw some inspiration from. He knew of the good, and he stopped pursuing it. He didn't go ahead with his noble and good plan. I have many noble and good plans, and you might too. Be reminded of Joseph's actions. He stopped. He listened. He trusted. He obeyed. But perhaps it's just simply easier for Joseph 
he, he had that lightning bolt of an angel appearance with spoken word. Who said, nice idea, but God wants you to do this. This is what's going to play out. Where's my angel? Where's the audible voice and instruction of God to guide my steps? If you're like me and feel like this sometimes, my closing thoughts are for you. God has sent you a message. God has made it clear. And I'm guilty this morning of probably spending more time on the good instead of the best, even in my own sermon. It's a deliberate, a deliberate illustration because 90% of the verses that we have here speak about Joseph and Mary, but there's two golden nuggets in there that actually speak about Christ. And boy, they are world-changing. Did we miss them? Can you, can you think of them now? In amongst Joseph choosing to divorce her quietly and etc., etc., do you recall the two verses that speak about Jesus? I have them on screen. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Sermon this morning on Joseph, that's good, that's nice. That's helpful, I hope it's encouraging. But don't miss the best. God with us. God did something that hasn't happened before. It's miraculous, it's weird, it's supernatural. He was born a baby. That's a message for you to hear to see, to listen, to trust, to obey. The second verse, he will save his people from their sins. That's massive. Jesus is the heaven-sent saviour. Thank you for listening. I spent 25 minutes covering Joseph and myself I now need to hand over to you to really reflect on Christ and to really set him as your priority as you go through this uh, December Christmas period. Don't miss out on the good. Uh, sorry, don't miss out on the best. Perhaps don't be satisfied with the good. Let yourself stop. Consider what the Lord's instructions are. Read them, listen, and maybe there is something better that he would have you do. God was born a baby, and he saves me from my sin. After reading these verses and preparing this sermon, that's what I want to remember. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the heaven-sent saviour who saves our sins. That's ten words, but it's world-changing. Lord, help us 
to really grasp that this Christmas and hold that throughout the rest of our lives. Thank you for the opportunity to speak your word. Lord, through your spirit, use it powerfully that we see lives changed, hearts healed, and uh, people invigorated to, to follow you. In your name we pray. Amen.